Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Texas-based melodic death doom metal band Hinayana will be releasing their sophomore album Shatter and Fall through Napalm Records on November 10th, just a few short days away from the release of this episode. Today I am joined by Casey Hurd, founding member and vocalist of Hinayana, to talk about Shatter and Fall, their musical direction, focus, a little bit about Buddhism, and Casey's beginnings in metal. Shout out to Jordan at Napalm Records for helping me set up this episode. Casey, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Your sophomore album, Shatter and Fall, is to be released just a few short days from the release of this episode. This time around, what are some of the musical elements that you wanted to focus on, and how did you want the music to remain consistent with your previous releases? Yeah, so something, this time, really a big goal of ours was to, uh, again, find our own voice and really establish our own sound within this genre. Like, there's a lot of melodic death metal, a lot of melodic metal in general, and uh, we really want to stray away from cliches and, and, you know, tired tropes and, and a lot of death metal in general, just, you know, a lot of stuff that, that is, uh, you know, been done way too much, whether it's a riffing style, you know, or whether it's chord progressions. And so that was something I was consciously making an effort to, uh, there were certain things I was avoiding and certain things I was trying to do that were unique to us. Um, some of the elements that I really wanted to focus on big time with this one was, uh, I really wanted big memorable choruses. And that's something that I've been trying to do big, memorable, catchy, licks and melodies that people can remember. Um, that was something that I really wanted to focus on that it, the staying power of the music, you know, whether it's, it, it's stuck in someone's head, you know, and, and, uh, isn't just, isn't just something that they've heard before. Um, finding your own identity. These things are all stuff that I was focusing on heavily with this album. And, uh, just really the atmospheric parts of this that were unique. There was, just trying to make build something that was unique and still follow in the footsteps of our previous EP, but also give people something new. And that was one of the challenges with this album was uh, was really just again like finding our own voice, but evolving off of something that we'd already established. Death of the Cosmic focused on humanity's self destruction, severing our connection with the divine and spiritual force in the universe, and destroying the beauty of nature. You've had equally profound themes in your first album. So how does Shatter and Fall relate to your previous two releases and what topics have you chosen to explore this time around? So yeah, this this time around, uh, we wanted to build off of that concept and sort of make it a little bit of a sequel to Death of the Cosmic. So basically, like you said last time, it was it was more a bigger concept. It was about the death of nature and, and this thing about humanity and our struggle and this this big thing. Whereas we, we sort of looked at that and, and one of my thoughts was like, okay, well, I'm going to make this next one. This next one, I wanted to pull it back in and bring it back down to earth and, but really sort of still build upon that. And uh, so this time it's focusing on consequence, you know, the consequences of these things and, and, and sort of uh, the themes of this album is fate, karma, consequence, grief uh, about all this stuff. And just, it, it's more personal. So this album comes from a much more personal place lyrically and topically. And, uh, yeah, so so really, it's it's more of a uh, like I said, yeah, it's more of a personal thing, and and I wanted this album to be relatable. I wanted every song to have relatable lyrics, you know, nothing that was too crazy out there. I wanted you to be able to pick any song, any mini mini mo, and just <laughs> be able to choose something on the album, and uh, for it to be something that left an impression and had some staying power with the with the listener. 
in the press release for this album, Napalm Records described Shatter and Fall as a darker, more solemn work than your previous releases, and also used melancholic, somber, introspective, and grim as descriptors of specific songs. Would you say that the topics are reflective of your thoughts and feelings during the pandemic, since that's kind of when writing could have started? And if so, was this reflected in the mood of the new album? Some of it, yeah, absolutely. I would say, I mean, and that was a really difficult time period. Um, like I told people before, like there was a there was a period of time there where we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we got a record deal and the EP, everything was in limbo before, you know, we, we got signed with Napalm and released it. And, uh, you know, that was a tough time period. I, I would say, though, that like, you know, it, it even comes from more of a personal place than that. I would say, you know, I, I think that some of my life experiences and some of the stuff that I've been through in my own life, it, it was something that I pulled, I pulled from uh, a deeper place with this one than I guess I have with with previous releases with the lyrics. I, and I really wanted to, you know, I really wanted to be able to I really wanted to be able to touch something that was that was relatable to all people and, and you know, not just be too specific and or too like uh, literal with with uh, the lyrics. I wanted to really like, you know, keep it accessible and, and keep it but but also really still pulling from my own personal experiences. And, and yeah, there was, I would say that this time around, it was uh, like, like I said, it was less, uh, less of a large concept thing, more of a down to earth, more like personal, more something that like everyone could maybe relate to or has, you know, everyone's had a dark place in their life and everybody's had this sort of darkness going on. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to relate to that with everybody. I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I found it interesting that the name of the band comes from a sect of Buddhism which does not recognize the divinity of Buddha himself, but rather stressing individual salvation through self-discipline and meditation. Did you have this in mind when you chose to explore the topics on your previous release, severing the connection with the divine and spiritual force in the universe, and subsequently with Shatter and Fall with your more grounded approach? So it's an interesting question, yeah. So basically, you know, I chose the band name because I really like the uh, I like the meaning kind of in the context of Buddhism. But I'm not a Buddhist myself, and uh, mm. we don't really make that our identity. You know, um, it's it's a band name I came up with when I was 18, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was a cool concept. I'm a spiritual guy. Um, you know, uh, I I think that I do like the concepts in Buddhism. I like a lot of that stuff. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating. And there is always like some kind of common thread of some of that spirituality that exists within our lyrics for sure. Uh, and it's always going to be a thing moving forward. You know, um, I think spirituality is like, that's a, that is a common thread within our lyrics and, and our releases and our themes and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I, we don't specifically relate to Buddhism, but, um, that is something that that is always like just that spiritual element and sort of uh, some of the concepts behind it. I like the meaning of the Sanskrit word. You know, this lesser path, this humble path, this uh, path of suffering to enlightenment. And uh, I really think that, you know, um, yeah, I, I like that aspect of it. And uh, we'll probably continue to play off off of that theme a little bit moving forward still. I took a Buddhism course in university, and looking back, it seems that they may have been teaching the Hinayana sect as everything related to achieving nirvana through meditation and self-actualization, rather than seeing Buddha as a deity. One of the main takeaways that I had from the course was that Buddhism originally seemed to be more of a way of life than a religion itself. It's kind of cool that this has come full circle, in a way. Yeah, and I just like what you said, I really like that concept and that idea. I really appreciate that what you were just saying and like that's sort of how I felt about it. like when when thinking of this band name and sort of applying it and everything like that, you know, 
Another interesting concept in Hinayana Buddhism is immeasurable joy. So in Hinayana, for anyone who's unfamiliar, it means rejoicing in the happiness of others without any jealousy and not expecting anything in return. I feel like this happens a lot in metal, whether it be the bands and their live performances, the way that fans can take care of each other. So a quick sidetrack here. A couple of friends attended the Blue Ridge Rock Fest and told me about some of their experiences and how people are sharing of food and water, shelter, things like that. And then even the consistent building of relationships and promotion of each other's content through like podcasts or PR companies, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, I think that's awesome. And I think that uh, like see what you're just saying right there. I think that's super relatable. Um, and I think that like like you said, with the metal community, there is and, and even with what you were saying, there is always uh, like even with the darkness of metal and, and, and like there's a lot of uh, darkness in metal and stuff. I mean, I, I think that there's like you said, there's the flip side, there's the, the contrast, you know, the, the joy and the, the, and there is a bit of self-sacrifice that goes on with, you know, we perform up on stage and we, we bust our asses and, and, you know, we, we suffer a little bit for the joy of, of, you know, the, this, this greater joy and the joy of the audience and the fans and stuff, you know. I just realized that I hadn't actually finished my previous questions. Basically what I was, where I was going with that before I had everything set up was I, from reading what I have about you and now talking to you a little bit, I feel like that's kind of what you're doing in metal as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. As your fans already know, Hinayana began as a solo project. You mentioned in a previous interview that your main inspiration for starting a solo project came from, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but is it, it, is it Tuomas Sokonen? Yeah, I believe that's how you say it. Okay, Thomas or Thomas of Wolfheart and his former project Black Sun Aeon. You now have a track on the album featuring Thomas titled A Tide and Turning, so it must be quite surreal to be working so closely with somebody who originally inspired you to seriously make a start in music yeah it's it is surreal and it's it's really a, a really cool experience to be able to work with a vocalist who like you have like i like i've listened to his music before the dawn uh dawn of solace black sunny on those were project to hit projects of his that i got into in high school and so i've been listening to his stuff for as for as long as i've been into like this kind of genre of music and uh yeah, being able to have him on our one of our tracks is really cool, and, and honestly, there's a nostalgia that goes with it because, um, like, it's kind of a slower paced ballad of a song, and, and we kind of see it as like the true closer of the album, even though the song "Taken," which is re-recorded from our first demo that we ever did, um, even though that's the closer on the album, we really see uh, a tide on turning as is kind of like the true closer because of just how it relates to all the other songs and how it sort of, even at the end, you can hear the outro of the song reflects the same melody and chord progressions uh, as the halfway point interlude. And it sort of ties it all together. And so having this slow ballad with him on it is sort of like, it's reminiscent to me of some of his older projects. And so, yeah, being able to share that track with him and not only have just his vocals on it, but, uh, also be able to sing on it myself as well. It was just a really cool experience. And, and I th I'm really happy with how it turned out. As someone who was a fan of him for so long, were you somewhat starstruck when you ended up meeting him for the first time? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's, I, I think <laughs> this is a funny story, too. Is like we, we just we were opening for uh, Wolfheart when they came through. Um, I believe they came through with Karak Angren. Uh, okay. I believe so. And uh, we were opening for them that evening and we were setting up our stuff backstage and we were like really excited, you know, to play with these bands. And we'd always talk about, oh, you know, we'd love 
to meet the Wolfhard guys or see them even or just, you know, whatever. Uh, and here we are. We were about to open for them. And Tomas, like, we were selling merch. You know, we had our merch set up in the other part of the venue. And we were backstage getting our stuff ready. And he comes to us. He's eating a bag of uh, potato chips. And he's got our shirt on. <laughs> and he's he just comes up and shakes our hands. And the nicest guy, you know. At, at the time, our, our bass player at the time, he, he lets he lets him, like, try on his guitar with, like, the chain and, and everything. He's, he's just, our bassist is looking. He's just like, oh, he's just, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a, he's the nicest dude. And it was, uh, yeah, we were all a bit starstruck, but it, it was a very cool experience and uh, super nice dude, super friendly and, and uh, uh, super generous and kind guy. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience meeting those dudes. And uh, it was a great experience touring with them uh, last year as well and uh, becoming even closer friends with those guys. And we can't hit the, we can't wait to hit the road with them again in nine days <laughs> from recording this. Uh, we're going to oh, wow. be, yeah, we're going to be getting on the plane, uh, in just less than two weeks now. And, uh, we're going to be flying out there and playing our first show on the sixth. And, uh, yeah, we can't wait to, to get out there on the road with those guys again. That's so cool. I didn't even, like, I don't realize the date when I put some of these together and yeah, I do realize that you're now going on tour here shortly. That's nuts. How long is the tour this time around? This time it's a little bit longer than the last one. This time we play, uh, I believe we play 21 shows. We're going to be gone for like 26 days though because of the travel time and stuff like that. So we leave on the uh, we leave on the third. We technically leave on the second because we're not flying out of this town. We're flying out of Dallas. So we are uh, driving up there and then uh, we are flying out on the third and we get there on the fourth. We uh, start our first show on the sixth. We get back on the 28th. So we're going to be gone for most of the, it's most of the month of November. So it'll be from, for us, the travel time, the whole thing is going to be like from the 3rd to the 28th, I guess. When you reached out to Thomas for the feature, was this something that you had discussed during your previous tour or is this something that was kind of born afterwards? And did you expect a response? So basically, actually, we wanted to have him on uh, our previous EP. Uh, we mm. wanted to have him on Death of the Cosmic and uh, the scheduling just didn't work out. And that happens sometimes. Um, he had just gotten done touring South America with Wolfhart and he was, uh, he was, he was sick and the scheduling just, he didn't, it didn't work out for studio time. And so, uh, just didn't work out this time around. Uh, we, we, so back then, by the way, that was the track. We, we decided to go with, uh, another vocalist that we really loved, uh, Tony from Hanging Garden. For those who don't know, that's a really awesome band. Um, definitely check them out if you haven't heard of them. Um, yeah, so this time around we, we we knew we wanted him on the album uh we hadn't asked him until we actually opened for them they came through with flesh god apocalypse and uh that was when we uh we said hey well you know we got this guest vocal spot and we'd really like you to be on this and and he he was totally down for it and uh yeah so it was a it was a pretty casual conversation he was down to do it we wanted to do it last time didn't work out and we, we've always wanted him on one of our on one of our records so you know we got it this time so it was really cool <laughs> i'm interested to know where your journey in metal starts since we're talking about inspirations what drew you to heavier music in the first place and when did you seriously start pursuing your interest in both vocals and the instruments yeah so a long time ago uh when i was a kid like around 10 years old uh for christmas like you know my dad had gotten me a drum set and just for a little bit of backstory, my dad is actually a uh, musician. He's been playing a, in a, he's had a country western swing band uh, for like 50 years now. He's been playing, a, he's, okay. he's, yeah, he's been a musician for a long time. I've, plenty of my nights as a kid were spent in honky tonks, uh, listening to him do his thing, seeing him do his thing on stage. 
here in Austin. Um, worlds apart from what I do, of course. But uh, yeah. that was kind of an inspiration, even from an early age, just uh, like seeing him do his thing. There were always guitars in the house. There was always music gear in the house, like to mess with and, and noodle on. And uh, yeah, I started on drums and uh, my brother started on bass. We started getting into some music like Aerosmith and ACDC and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and some of the classics, you know. And uh, from then, you know, we, we knew, I mean, I was really into ACDC and I liked the aggression of the guitar stuff. And I was, you know, at one point I thought I wanted to be Angus Young, you know, I loved, uh, <laughs> I loved ACDC and, and all that stuff. And one weekend we decided to, uh, we decided we wanted to get into something heavier. And uh, this was after we had both decided that we wanted to play guitar, by the way, we wanted to wanted to do guitar. So I moved away from drums, my brother moved away from bass, and we both were learning guitar together. But one weekend we went to a record store, as my dad would always take us to like the record store on the weekends, we always pick out a couple CDs, and we picked up a Metallica CD, and that was, honestly, it was like we, we threw it in the car stereo, and just hearing the palm muted guitars for the first time, it was just like, I, the rest was history. I mean, it was, I, I knew that, that sound, I was like, I, I knew there was aggressive music, but I hadn't really heard it really represented in a way that was like legitimate like this. Like maybe I'd heard some songs on like oh, video game or some commercial or something like that, but nothing that was real metal. And like just hearing the palm muted guitars and stuff, I mean, I was sold. Like, you know, that, that was it. Like I knew that I wanted to play that kind of music. I was like, okay, this is the next step. You know, this is the next step for what we're doing or what we're listening to. Um, and really it wasn't until I got into more of the stuff with uh, harsh vocals, you know, yeah, that was when I, that was what, what made me want to do the, uh, the actual singing aspect of this was like when I, it was, it was years later. Uh, I remember it was, uh, it was funny cause me and my brother were getting into metal and, uh, I was a super, I always tell a story. It's just funny. It's like, I was a really big guitar nerd. I got really into it, you know, uh, just going online and looking at all the guitars and websites. I would always have like the magazines and, and stuff that you would, you would find, you know, we'd have like subscriptions like Guitar World and stuff like that and, and magazines from like Musician's Friend and looking at all the guitars. And uh, so I go on ESP Guitars website and they, they had like Children of Bodom playing as like the song that automatically played. I don't know if you remember when websites used to do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a like thing that no one does right. anymore, you know, but like back in the day, it's like you open up the website and bam, you get some like song playing. And it was Children of Bodom. I remember at the time, like, you know, I heard the harsh vocals that he was doing. And he's got his own style, but, like, it was still harsh vocals for me. I wasn't used to hearing that. Um, and at first, I wasn't into it. But then just hearing it over and over again, I was like, something all of a sudden one day just, like, clicked. And it was just like, I, this is such an awesome style. You know, I really love the way this sounds. And uh, it was a couple years later, me and my brother both kind of tried to figure out how to do the harsh vocal sound and the growling and stuff. And... And honestly, I just kept practicing, practicing. I hadn't recorded anything until I was basically out of out of school, and uh, that was when I the first real stuff I recorded with harsh vocals was on the uh, our demo that I did twenty fourteen, and that was that was sort of how that whole story went. <laughs> Which album was the first Metallica album? You, well, the first metal album that you got? Uh, it was the Black album. It was, uh, Black and album. that was yeah, and uh, you know. Some people say they, they sold out on that album. I mean, I've got a special place in my heart for it, honestly. And I, I just think that they they just they stopped doing thrash specifically. I didn't necessarily think it was like they sold out. I just thought, you know, it was a different thing. But uh, for me, I will I will never not like that album. I, I, especially Inner Sandman, hearing those first guitar palm mutes and everything. Oof, that was what did it for me. And then, obviously, you know, we, my first metal show was uh, OzFest in 2006. That was my first metal show, period. Like, there was no small gig. It was like... 
seeing big metal bands play on big stages and that was just absolutely blew my mind and like I knew I wanted to play this kind of music and be up there on the stage after that I mean the energy alone from the festival like that it was just so cool my first album was actually the black album as well and I agree with you a hundred percent the first time I ever heard enter Sandman was on the radio and I was like what the hell is this (laughs) hell yeah that's awesome yeah, I've heard that from people. Yeah, like the Black Album. I mean, man, that's the one that stuck with me, like, out of all their albums. And I think sometimes, I, I always tell people this, I think this is funny. Sometimes the first album that we hear from a band is, I feel like it's often the one that we that ends up being our favorite. And just because it just has that special place for us, you know? Like, I found that to be true for so many other bands that I enjoy. It's like, I go back and listen, well, what's my favorite album? And then I'm like, wait, that was the first album I heard. Wait, that was the first album I heard from that band, and so on and so forth. It just seems to happen a lot, you know? I would agree. Even going back through Metallica's discography, there are albums which are better musically, but their self-titled album still remains one of the most impactful for me, and I think that's simply because it's the first one that I heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think about even, like, there's other big bands that I like that I feel the same way. But, like, one one of the bands that I really feel passionately about, like, with that is uh, the band Opeth, and, like, I remember mm. discovering, I, I first heard their album, uh, Blackwater Park. And honestly, that was one of those albums that really was like, very like, I feel like ahead of its time, like the production. I mean, you wouldn't believe it was from like, you know, it was barely like, what was it 2001? And like, it was, <laughs> it was barely like, you know, into the modern era of metal, but like it, it was produced so well. And like, it was to me, I, I love all their material, but like, that was the one that like, I go back and like, that will never not be my favorite album from them. It was the first one I heard. And it, you know, it was just had that staying power with me, you know? It doesn't seem that your original foray into metal has influenced your tastes completely. So who are some of the bands on your current heavy rotation? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, like, discovered the stuff that inspired me to play this form of music when I got more into high school. Like, for instance, uh, like, I, when I was in middle school, I started listening to, like, like from Children of Bodom. Like, I got in a lot of the heavier stuff, like, I started listening to like Demon Borg Gear and like uh, some stuff like that pretty early on. Um, like I started getting into more of the heavy like death metal stuff. Like I started listening to like Psychroptic, Decapitated, um, those extreme bands really early on. Honestly, I was in like seventh grade and uh, like I was into all that stuff. Um, I still remember filming like I would do guitar covers and I remember filming. I never put it out, but I remember filming like a Decapitated guitar cover for like Day 69 off of their album. Uh, and uh that was uh yeah so so i remember i was really into that and really into the rhythmic stuff and uh like i remember discovering some of the more melodic stuff like with that band with with opeth actually um i discovered more of the melodic side of of metal and and that was really inspirational and like from there on it was like okay like swallow the sun was another band that i really Mm -hmm. liked that was kind of in that genre of like that european you know um I don't know. It had like this emotional, like kind of mystical sound to me. And I just, I was captivated by it. So like throughout high school, I got into more of the melodic death, metal, like, like uh, dark tranquility, um, insomnium. That's another one. And then, like I said, like Tomas, like his projects, I, I thought that stuff was really, really cool. Um, I kept discovering bands like that through, I don't know if you remember last FM, you remember that website? Uh, yes. Yeah. Last FM, it used to have this, it, it was just like pre Spotify, like, there was no like Spotify like algorithm back in the day. And uh, it, it, that was how I discovered a lot of my favorite music. I would be doing something and I would just have, they, they had this great recommendation radio and like I would, they don't have, it. it's not the same anymore. 
Um, they changed their website all the way around. I don't remember what happened. They got bought and, and or sold or whatever, but they had this great recommendation radio and it really like was good at like predicting what you stuff you might like. And so it was showing me all this stuff and I was just discovering more and more of this European metal. And, uh, you know, I, I still listen to a lot of those bands, like, like some of the stuff I, I listen to today is still like, uh, like amorphous, you know, um, there's uh, a band I can't wait for their new album, the the uh, the Vision Bleak. I don't know if you heard of the Vision Bleak. That's another that's another band that's criminally underrated. Um, Hanging Garden. Uh, I've been going back through their catalog. There's a uh, uh, band I think they're from Denmark uh, called they're like a post black metal band uh, called Mold. They have like it's called M O with the line through it L. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but uh, they're really really good. They're kind of they're kind of up and coming. They actually toured with Amorphous once, I believe. Um, those guys, uh, Catatonia's new album, that's another one. Um, speaking of them, I really like, God, I really miss the band Ghost Brigade. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they uh, they like really were one of those bands that I got into in high school. And then they just disappeared. They just decided to call it quits one day. <laughs> and I was really disappointed about that because they were they were on like the up and up, you know, going going up there. So I don't know, that's, that's some of the stuff that's been in my rotation recently. I'm just looking at Ghost Brigade here, and there's a few other bands in there that I don't recognize. So Ghost Brigade didn't give any indication that they were splitting up. Uh, I I think that they just I think they stopped enjoying what they were doing based on their social media posts. I think that, I think they made some post about like, oh yeah, you know, you, when it becomes when it stops being fun, you know, it's it's not worth doing anymore. And I, it, it, you know, it happens. People get burned out, and they decide that they, you know, that it's it's not worth doing anymore. And actually, funny story about that. Uh, I actually wanted. Uh, the vocalist, the singer for Ghost Brigade to be on our album. And I had reached out to him at one point and he got back to me, but like, he just doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. So, you mm. know, yeah. So that's, that's a shame, but it's <laughs> so a rest in peace, Ghost Brigade. But yeah, you know, all that, all that finished European stuff is the stuff that I really, really enjoy. I still keep a lot of that in my rotation, but any new bands, I mean, was something, some stuff that I continue to put in my rotation is like the previous two albums from uh, Lord of the, the band Lord of the Lost, another band on Napalm. Uh, they've got some really catchy stuff. Uh, I end up doing that. But yeah, some of that stuff, you know, and uh, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really open to new suggestions though. So if anyone, if anyone has any stuff they think I'd like, I'm, I'm all ears. Awesome. I'll see if there's anything on my list of bands, but it seems like it's never ending. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's just uh, there's there's so much stuff out there, you know. Like sometimes I'll put on the Spotify recommendation radio thing or whatever, and like let the algorithm do its thing. And sometimes it's spot on, sometimes it's like, ah, eh, you know. But uh, I'm I'm always like I love that feeling of discovering a new band, you know. And like I can't like that's my favorite feeling is like discovering something that I somehow like ignored or not paid attention to, and being like, oh, totally like obsessed with it. And, uh, you know, I just, I hope that with our material, like, that's what I want to give other people is that feeling of listening to your favorite song or a song you're really getting into, listening to that for like the first time, you know, and just uh, mm -hmm. like having that, that sensation. So yeah, anyway. As Hinayana began, how did you choose a musical direction and what made Mellow Death and Doom the perfect match for your ly lyrical themes? Yeah. So I think that for me, writing music for me has always been, it continues to be all about taking, uh, taking my favorite elements from my favorite bands and my favorite songs and really just like putting it all into what I write and what I do and, and really like trying to pull all those elements and put them all together into something that like 
it's like, okay, this is my ideal song. This is my ideal band. This is my ideal form of, of music of, of metal right here. And so that sort of, it all just sort of happened naturally. It wasn't like I was specifically trying to write this specific kind of music. Though I was very aware of what I was doing, you know. I, I knew what subgenre I was writing. I was very like, okay, yeah, I know what this is. But it wasn't like, I'm going to write melodic death doom metal, you know. It was like, it was more like, I know what I like to hear. And I want to put it all into this. I'm going to put, take these elements, these elements, put them together. And, and this is what I love hearing in, in songs that are my favorite songs. And I feel like I continue to do that. You know, I mean, I, I don't, you know, hell, we might not even, at some point, we, we might sound like different based on the stuff that I enjoy at the time, you know. So uh, we're going to continue to evolve our sound, you know, based on the stuff that we're enjoying and the stuff that we want to, uh, that we, that we want to sound like, you know, moving forward. So, yeah, it, it's a continually evolving thing, though. I think it's important for bands to take that approach and not really conform to a certain boundary especially because tastes change over time talents change over time members change the sound of the band as well yeah absolutely and and uh you know we're getting more into writing with the other band members as well and uh so there's bound to be some changes and honestly yeah like i will continue for as long as i'm doing this to probably be chasing i'll probably be chasing that perfect song you know for as long as i'm doing this like i said i'm never gonna be they're gonna be like all right there we go it's over you know it's I wrote the best thing I could write. No, I'm always going to be like, okay, there's one other thing I want to try. There's one other thing I want to do, you know, and I'm never going to be done, you know, and, and that's, that's the fun of it. That's the fun part. You know, you write, you write one thing and all right, let's, let's do the next one, you know. Jumping back into influences a little bit. So other than Buddhism, are there any other non-musical influences that you incorporate into music? For example, books, film, other religious or spiritual concepts? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that like, I used to, uh, I used to really be into a lot of the, uh, I mean, I still am. I used to meditate. I used to be into a lot of that stuff. And I think that was a big influence early on. Um, I think that, uh, I, I the spiritual element of this stuff is, is always fascinating, fascinating to me. Cause I, I used to be really like, I used to, used to take deep dives into that stuff and like, you know, reading about and, and you know, learn about like near-death experiences and stuff like that and learning about these big concepts and, and stuff. I, I always found that stuff very interesting and, and like the, the more like, like this more spiritual universal aspects of, of uh, life and, and what we're doing and like the big questions, you know, like what, are, who are we? What are we doing here? You know, where are we going? And these big things. I like, I like thinking about this stuff, you know, and, and really like pushing myself to, to learn about and, and, and ponder, you know, and, and, and so like, you know, late at night looking up the stars and wondering about these, these sorts of things. And, and, and I think that like everybody should do that and, and sort of push their mind to that direction. I know it's uncomfortable some, for some people or sometimes I guess it is, but you know, I like incorporating some of that stuff. Like for instance, in the, in the song spirit and matter that we have, um, like that, that song is about like the contrast between, you know, the physical and the non-physical and the, the, the parallels and, and, and opposing forces in nature that, that happen in the universe, you know, uh, you know, light and dark, you know, these, these, these opposites have to exist and, and the way they interact, you know, and, uh, I really like incorporating these, these big concepts even, but, but even, even on a, like some of those things can be like, like, for instance, in that song, like, you know, how I was mentioning how, like, uh, the songs in this album have to, I wanted them to be more relatable, even a concept like that. I really like how, uh, something on such a big level, the macrocosm can also be, you know, can also experience the microcosm of it, you know, because 
you can't have good without without the bad, you know. And I tell mm-hmm. this to people even just to to talk about, you know, okay, well, how how do you stay positive or blah blah blah, you know, whatever. Um, you can't have light without a little bit of darkness, you know what I mean? Like there has to be some contrast in life, and and that's just something that we have to accept as human beings, you know. Uh, the the good memories are almost made by some of the bad memories sometimes, you know. Even even just uh, even just prepping for this tour has been super stressful and super, uh, you know it's a lot of work and then sometimes it's not easy and sometimes it's like, Oh my God, there's so much, you know, and these are, we can't have those good moments in life. You know, like I know I'm going to have a great time out there on the road, but you, you don't have that unless you, you suffer a little bit beforehand. You gotta, you gotta put in the work. You gotta have some of that darkness, some of that, some of that, you know? So anyway, to answer your question, there's a little bit of that. I, I like, I like some of those sorts of concepts and stuff. I like that you guys touch on this type of stuff. It makes it a whole lot different than a bunch of other bands in the genre whether it be metal or, or mellow death. On that note, Casey, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the album. Man, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it, you know, and uh, I really, really appreciate the kind words. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on this interview. I, I really appreciate your time too. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.